0: Hello and welcome to Messages at BBC. In these messages, you'll hear from professors, staff, guest speakers, as well as students. These messages were spoken and recorded on campus at Boise Bible College. If you'd like to check out Boise Bible College, please see our website at boisebible.edu. Through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The darkness has not mastered it. There was a man, he was sent from God, his name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light, the true light that was coming into the world, the light that gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own. But his own, his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, To those who believed in his name, he gave the right to be called children of God, born not of natural descent or of human descent, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. That verse 14 is our text today. The Word became flesh and dwelled among us. I want to read the whole passage here today. We'll read through the end of it uh, because the title here I was given today was one that was so irresistible I had to pick it um, when our chapel team gave us options of which sermons to preach through you guys this exciting series that you guys are doing through on simply being Jesus's the title of this sermon that was given to me is divine personality If this is the journey you're on it with me i, I can say that I, I guess it wasn't given to me i guess i chose it right so i did it myself john one i love this passage that the title has given me a runaround for the past couple of weeks now divine personality what are we talking about here Uh, Maybe we're, oh man, I, I hope we're talking about the personhood of God, right? The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, right? One essence, like in being as such, being qua being, right? Three in person, mutually subsistent in their relations, De Trinitate, book six, right? Augustine, yeah, with me, right? You're tracking, of course, right? Yes, personality, God has it. Oh, he has it. Distinction and difference simultaneously maintained in an infinite and absolute unity, a oneness. The Swiss Catholic theologian Hans Urs von Balthasar calls Jesus the subject necessarily as such absolutely unique. The subject necessarily as such infinitely unique, the God-man, Jesus because the human personality is here, in him, without strain, without breakage, assumed into the divine person who incarnates and reveals himself in it. I know this is what you came to chapel today to hear. Oh, man. I know you came to chapel to fall asleep listening to me talk about mutually subsistent relations. Oh, my goodness, guys, there's a... There's an, that gold mine goes as deep as possible, right? I mean, last last semester, I think I sp- I spoke in chapel, and a guy right there in that seat fell asleep after like three minutes, right? And I know it had to do with the with the Trinity with the mutual subsistence of relations, guys. This is it. No, it's probably my silky voice, right? That's <laughs> so bad. Somewhere between a young Nicolas Cage, right? Uh, with the tone of a, a weathered cigar store Indian and the TikTok corn kid, right, somewhere. It's a beautiful thing, guys, all right. It's got the juice, okay. So, okay, no, I, something tells me that that is probably more along the lines, it's probably more along the lines of your chapel series this year. I love it, I, I love your, your theme for chapel this year, simply be, Simply belong to Christ. Put on the whole life of Christ as Russell Grove preached a few weeks ago. The whole character of Christ. Put on the identity of Christ so that when the world sees us, they meet Jesus in us, right? That's your vision for this community to be one where each and every one of us simply seeks to belong to Jesus for the sake of others, right? For the sake of the world. For the sake of the others in the world to see and know Jesus through us. That's honestly our vision over at 10 Mile Christian Church. We want to see each and every person transformed in Jesus Christ, no matter your hurts, hangups, no matter where you're coming from. It's all about being with Jesus. Transformation is all about being in Christ. It's not even necessarily about doing or performing or checking boxes, right? John says in John 15, it's the same, same, same gospel that we're in today, that if you just remain in me, if you just abide in me, if you just stay in me, I will remain in you. And you will bear much fruit through me in you. Man, that's such a powerful concept to grab hold of. And the sooner you can grab hold of it, the better it will do you. That your identity, that who you are, does not come out of what you do. Your worthwhileness, your worth does not come out of where you came from. What you've got. What badges you've got on your Boy Scout uniform. No. It comes out of whose you are and who you belong to that we are loved and that in studying preparation for Christian service here at Boise Bible College I hope you remember that and you stay in Christ being transformed through him right A divine personality I hope you grow one in your studies and in your formation here at school personality what is it Right, Oxford Dictionary says something, it's like the, the, a combination of characteristics or, or qualities that form an individual's distinctive character. I think that's like the number one definition in your Oxford Dictionary, right? What is it, a temperament? Is it, a, is it an attitude? I guess it's a little bit of all of it, right? I mean, who, who, you know who you are, you personality test junkies. You're like, you live, yeah, my girl, Emily, yes. It's like... You know who you are. You're Myers-Briggs people, right? You Enneagram fans. Taylor Johnsonites in the house. There's always like one person who's like, TG? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Taylor Johnson. What do you guys take when you're sophomores? Like the pathways or, or something like that? I don't know. What, what the like melancholic or the sanguine? No? Okay, is that that one? What it, you're like, oh yeah, I remember that. Some guy, that one, whatever that one is. Yeah, whoop, give it a whoop if you want, okay? The disc test people, right? What do these do, right? They help us understand ourselves for, uh, for what, right? To get the, what they, um, the Myers-Briggs is an example for me. It's a, it's a personality test, right? And it, it's a personality test that, Honestly really gave me a vocabulary, like a grammar to begin to talk and think through about some things in my past and growing up childhood that that maybe i never even had words to to begin to think about or talk about, let alone process right like the, the that 's the one where it 's like introversion extroversion thinking feeling you know, and, and I grew up at this church I remember uh, it, it kind of clicked for me when i went to when I went to Bible college at Ozark Christian College that there's like uh, our church sort of like kind of made a model of what a model Christian looked like an ENFJ, right? An extroverted feeling type who had lots of passion and felt God moving, right? And and I'm really like, I feel deeply like sentimentally and stuff, but like, I'm really not like a feeler. Like Thursday night at camp, like kids are coming forward, weeping and stuff. I'm at the back like, this is rationally possible to me and I will give my life to it, right? It's like, (laughs) it's like I am going, it's like, I I will follow Christ to the ends of the earth. Like, it's like, like, I, yeah, it's like very, it's a different feel, right? And so you come to this, and I remember, but I wanted to feel, I wanted to feel God. I wanted to experience God like that. So in order to conjure tears in worship or, or, or to feel it, you know, it's like I, I developed that, that feeling side of me, but it was kind of at the expense of my, like, outgoingness. Like, I kind of went into myself. And I kind of became an introvert in high school. Like in high school, I was kind of a loner. Like I, I, I had, I was sort of uh, to myself, you know, I, was, I spent most of my time alone. I, I worked, you know, I did stuff, I played sports, but I was really focused. And I, went, I remember when I went to Ozark Christian College and I sort of got this green light at Bible College to use my brain. It was like, don't check your brain at the door anymore, your mind, I want you to like, learn the language, learn, read the books, write the papers. It was like, okay. And it was like, it just came out of my shell. It was like, everything clicked for me. And the Myers-Briggs like, actually really helped me work through that in myself. And the ways that, in which my high school and growing up w- was such a disorienting, weird experience in the church and at school. It was a bad one. I wouldn't relive it for a million dollars versus my college experience, which felt like I, I just came out of my shell. The Enneagram's kind of like that, too, right? Like, I'm a 5-4 on the Enneagram, the 5 wing four. You can take your leave it, whatever. It has a strange history. I don't know if it's, like, Zodiac stuff or if it's ancient Christian mysticism. Beats uh, me. But, like, uh, what's the difference, right? Just kidding. Um, okay. I'm, hey, you guys were supposed to be in a faculty meeting, and I thought I had a green light to say whatever I wanted to do up here. Um, I'm sorry. That's not funny. Um, but... I think what's interesting about the Enneagram is that it's a personality test based around vices or like core fears and sins, right? That, and that, that actual like wholeness or differentiation doesn't have like a script to it, right? And when you, if you study the Enneagram, there's no like, this is what a healthy, you know, man looks like, or this is what a healthy like eight looks like, or a healthy like three. There's no script. It's like we, we all model the same patterns of wholeness and health in transparency and honesty and integrity and goodness and virtue, right? Like in nobility, these things like, they're common. And that our brokenness is, is, is what's particular and unique, right, and we should, and they're postures, stances for us to come toward the middle, right? To come toward a figure of wholeness in the middle, right? I think it's kind of interesting. It's kind of helped me out, right? But, you know, no personality test offers salvation, right? None of them offers salvation or any secret knowledge of like our Christian spiritual journey. Honestly, most of them, honestly, most of them probably risk taking us closer to narcissism than Jesus, right? Like gazing so deeply at the reflection in the water that we fall in and drown, right? That's the story of Narcissus in the Greek myths, right? Maybe that's what's so interesting about Jesus. Maybe that's what's so interesting about Jesus. Like, he's the very glory of God. He's the whole of the deity, the fullness of deity, Colossians 1 through 17, in bodily form. I guess we should probably finish the passage, okay? John 1, one fifteen. here it is. John testified concerning about that one. He cried out saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness, out of his wholeness, the pleroma of God, we have all received grace in place of grace already given for the law was given through moses grace and truth through jesus christ no one has ever seen god but the one and only son the Monogenes, son who is himself god and is in closest relationship with the father has made him known for you Greek students, take Greek with Vance. This last verb right here has made him known. The last four words there is one word. It's the word exegetomai. Do you know what that word is? The word exegetomai is where you get the word exegetical paper <laughs> that you're dreading right now, that you probably are already behind on. Exegesis is that word that comes from it. To extract meaning out of, to pull meaning out of the text. Jesus exegetes God, the very unsearchable, the very unfathomable, the very immutable, the very impassable being of God exegeted by a single human life, person, a human person a divine person, a divine personality that we can follow, that we can imitate in, that we can participate in, especially in these formative years at college. College students, such influential years in preparation for going out into the harvest and doing Christian service in God's church and the bride of Christ, training and preparing for ministry, being formed into the image and person of Jesus, how he walked, how he talked, how he loved, how he preached, how he shepherded, how he discipled. So So what do we do with the fact that basically all we know about this divine human personality that exegetes God, that who no one has ever seen, who no one can fathom, we basically only know about approximately, uh, what, three years of his life in early midlife, That is people growing in Christ who, who come together and gather in chapel on Tuesdays and Thursdays and we talk about putting on Christ. We talk about learning and being transformed by him that basically all scripture gives us of Jesus is the fruit. We don't see any of the growing process We just see the growing years. No, we just see the fruit, the perfect sinless fruit of a life lived in perfect and full submission and communion to God. We only see the fruit. We don't see the growing years. Do you think when the gospels pick up talking about Jesus, when he comes onto the scene at that synagogue in Nazareth in Luke 4, when he receives... John's baptism, when he begins his ministry after being tempted in the wilderness, where, from wherever you date Jesus' birth at year zero to year six BC, based on wherever you put the governorship of Quirinius in Syria or, or the census of Augustus, like Octavius, you know, uh, Caesar. Or wherever you put that, to, to wherever you date his crucifixion, 30 AD to 33 AD, somewhere in that point. You have a man who roughly somewhere in his 30s when he's crucified and no younger than 28 when he starts his ministry. How old are you? I just turned 29 this year. Like to think about my entire life, like if you stack it to Jesus's, there's not a single thing written about it. Training in complete anonymity. The one man whose life has influenced the course of history maybe more than any other, we know virtually nothing about his life until he was about 30. You're going to be okay if you leave here without a ring by spring. <laughs> the world's going to tell you that you have to have it all figured out by the time you leave college. It's going to tell you that you've got to figure it out by the time you're 26, by the time you're 27, 28. It's going to tell you that if, you're, that if you haven't already, you know what, written a book, if you're not who's who in their 20s in Boise, by the time you're 30, like that, you're already being passed by this next generation of people who worship youth, and young impressionable people, right? Right. That's the. That you're nobody. You you should have a career by now. You should have a five-year plan by now. You should already have a retirement because look at this economy, right? How much did Dow dropped tomorrow? Yesterday, I don't know. It's probably going to drop some more tomorrow. Relationship, you know, you've got to have it figured out. What are you thinking about having a family? What are you thinking about preparing for ministry? Every, it feels like every time you start every time you start a job application that somebody wants five, ten years of experience, but they're looking for somebody in their thirties. You're like, where do you get that? The world's gonna tell you to take pictures, take videos, make memories, live your life while you're young, because once you make commitments, right, once you start slowing down, once you're wild and free years are over, it's no more late night runs to, to Taco Bell, it's no more good times, it's no spontaneous road trips. No one's ever even heard of him in his home county. Until he's 30. Quiet, humble preparation, prayer, devotion. When no one's looking in your dorm room, on your campus, in your church, it will bear fruit. Do not weary, Galatians says, of doing good, for in the right time you will reap a harvest. How many times does Jesus say, my hour has not come? He says it in John 2.4. He says it in John 7.6. He says it in John 7.30. He says it in John 8. What, like 20, something like that? When he's talking to the Pharisees about the, the Torah and light, when he says, I'm the light of the world. He says, my hour's not going to come in. Yeah, but you should, your hour should be here by now, right? You should be speaking at retreats. You should be speaking at conference. I think you're right where you need to be, students. Sometimes it feels like we need to go do we need to do ministry right now. We need to go save the world right now for and, and you might last three years. But the church needs you for 30 years in three years, and it'll wait. But when you get to it, be ready. And start now. Start preparing now because she deserves it. Oh, she deserves it. It's Christ's bride. And she's messy. And she's hard. She can be ugly, but don't be afraid of her. She's not the one that wants to eat up and devour you in the world. There is one in the world who wants to eat and devour you. And he prowls like a roaring lion, and it's not the bride of Christ. Yeah, she lashes out because she's used to someone chasing her. You don't chase her. You love her, and you serve her. When the word becomes flesh, and it dwells among us, it doesn't worry about where it dwells. Have you ever thought about the fact that when God sends Jesus, he he doesn't send him to the biggest city, he doesn't send him to the most influential mega-synagogue, right? He doesn't send him to a moment in time where he even could have live-streamed his ministry. He literally sends his son to Nowheresville, a backwater province in the Roman Empire. What kind of God sends his son to Nowheresville what if he sends you there when the, world become, when the word becomes flesh and it dwells among us it doesn't worry about how it dwells have you ever thought about the fact that when God sends Jesus he doesn't send him as a king or a Caesar he doesn't even send him as, to be the puppet king of the Jews in Herod's throne right? he sends him to, be, to a poor and oppressed family to be part of a Roman Judean society he has no clout when he comes on the scene no followers, no EP's, no come up just faithfulness And maybe at some point somebody recognized that talent, right? Some influence. I don't know. But we don't know about it. When the word becomes flesh, are you guys trying to tell me to stop talking? I don't know. You should see their faces right now. I'm done. I'm serious. When the word becomes flesh, and it dwells among us, it doesn't worry about where, it's, where it dwells. It doesn't worry about how it dwells. It just worries about one thing. And it's making the Father known, verse 15. That's a divine personality. It's a life lived transparently and whole, nothing obscuring the vision of God, the image of God shining out of it. So do the good work of preparation, students. Worry about showing up week in and week out. Worry about setting up chairs, tearing down tables, sweeping floors. Worry about sitting around tables to find wholeness with people who will disciple you and help you work through your story, who will help you sit with you and have, buy you coffee and, and hear about where you came from and the hurts and the things you've done and things that have been done to you and, and process through that so you can find wholeness in Christ so that when your time comes that God calls you to speak. When your time comes for God calls you to lead, when God calls you to work, when God calls you to put flesh on the con- Concepts and knowledge that you learn here, the language and the papers that you wrote here, the exegetical papers that formed you, you won't care about where it is, you won't care about how it is, you will just care about making God known. You won't worry about where he's sending you, you won't worry about how he's sending you, you'll just worry about who. So what if at the end of your life, and ministry, of course, what if at the end of your life and ministry, People know Jesus and you've had the chance to baptize hundreds of people. Generations have been changed, families have been changed, influenced, but no one remembers you. What if? What if no one remembers your legacy? What if you don't have a legacy at the end of your life in ministry? but Jesus has a bigger one. What if people know him and they they don't remember you? Well, I would think that would be a success. I think that would be probably a well done, good and faithful servant. I might even call that a divine personality. In the words of Brother Zinzendorf of the Moravian Brethren. Preach the gospel, die, and be forgotten. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we give you thanks for Jesus. We pray that you would transform us into your image and likeness. Lord, I pray that you would do a wonderful work with these students. I pray that you would bless their study. I pray that you would bless their time here. I pray that you would honor the time that they have taken away from doing other things in the world to prepare to serve your church. Lord, we love you, and we love your church. Lord, we ask that you would give us your hands, and your feet, and your heart, and your mind, and your words when we serve as well as when we prepare. We don't know what they are when you prepared. And we're okay if no one knows what this looks like either. Just form us into your likeness so that when our hour comes, we will make you known purely and honestly and wholly. It's in your name that we pray, amen. Thank you for listening today. Boise Bible College exists to raise up leaders for the church where we value scholarship, humility, innovation, and community. For more information about Boise Bible College, please see boisebible.edu.